Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Goodness, I've been talking all that time there with my microphone off. <laughs> Welcome to the Todd Huff Show. I'm your host, Todd Huff, helping you navigate some crazy, tumultuous times with the media, with the uh, just uh, things that are happening in the world around us. You've tuned into the right place, home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, even America's realities are here. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Questions, comments, feedback, adoration, and praise all accepted at that email address. I want to start really quickly just with the, something that you may have seen. Reverend Raphael Warnock, did you see this? Ordained minister, radical leftist, communist, Castro sympathizer, Raphael Warnock. Senator now from the state of Georgia. You talk about a state that's got massive problems. Welcome to the state of Georgia. Which, of course, by extension means welcome to the United States of America because we've got two radicals that were elected in the state of Georgia. Anyway, we've got Raphael Warnock, an Easter Day tweet, a pastor, right? A pastor. Pastor should know what Easter is all about. This is what his tweet said. You ready for this? If you've not heard this, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The meaning of this of Easter is it's even superior to just the resurrection. Is what he's saying here. He goes on to say, whether you are a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. What on earth is he talking? I mean, from a Christian perspective, as a pastor. He literally goes, he deleted this tweet. At least he had the sense enough to do that. Or he got enough pushback to where someone in his office says, hey man, you're going to take this thing down. This is really causing a problem. Through the, what is it? Through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. This is exactly the opposite, pastor, of why Jesus had to die on the cross. We are completely unable to save ourselves. And what's transcendent? What what greater meaning? What what's what's the greater lesson of Easter besides the the truth that Jesus died and rose to save the world from its sins and to reconcile that world with God Himself? What in the world, Pastor, Reverend, Radical Leftist? This is insanity. Anyway, I just want to make sure you you heard that if you hadn't seen that or read that or whatever. This is this is the sort of stuff that passes as 
thoughtful in the world of the radical left, especially the radical left wing, um, those that those that want to combine their ideology with with Christian theology. This is what they come up with. This is somehow this is somehow a good thing. This is somehow helpful to them as they push their legislative agenda. What's also helpful? What's also helpful to the radical left pushing its radical agenda is the help of the insane media. And folks, we are dealing. I was looking today. Again, we don't do themes on this program, but as I was preparing the show and pulling articles together, I just it, it is amazing to me. I'm going to give some series of of things as has as they are being reported in the media. But it is amazing to me <laughs> What what is happening out here? You know, even even as someone that was anticipating this, I don't know. It's something different. I tell people, you know, experience, and you know this too. Experience is always different than what your, even though you know. For example, I, I I like to use this example. When before my wife and I had children, we knew everybody knows that you're going to lose hours of sleep. Everyone knows that it's there's going to be times of difficulty and. Just, just tough times, right? Tough times when you have a little one in the house and maybe they're not sleeping or they're waking up and who knows, all this sort of thing. But it's a totally different thing when you're in month three or month six, right? And if I've got any parents out there listening, new parents, you know what I mean by this. Like you knew, you knew heading into it that you were going to lose your sleep. But there's something totally different or that adds to the the, the knowledge base through the experience of actually having done it, actually having to get up and, you know, function in the midst of all that. And there's something different between knowing what was coming. I don't want to say different, but it it adds a perspective having having lived it. It's still remarkable to me, even though it's totally predictable, it is still remarkable to me to see what these jokers, these propagandists in the media try to get away with. And folks, maybe even more than that is what they are able to get away with with a certain pay, a certain segment of the American population. Listen to this. This is a New York Times article. To build support for his plan, this is uh, the so-called infrastructure plan, which now a parliamentarian has ruled they can use uh, budget reconciliation again. Wait, to, I'm telling you, buckle, buckle up for where this is going to go. Buckle up for where this is going to go with rulings on what can can be done. Remember, uh, budget reconciliation was only supposed to be used is it once or twice potentially a uh, a fiscal year, I believe. Now we're looking at using this perhaps indefinitely. They haven't made a final ruling on whatever um, the rule is. Three oh seven, I think. Ruling 307, they're they're pushing that to where they can effectively use the budget reconciliation process, whereby bypassing the filibuster on virtually anything they want. They're waiting for a ruling on that, but there was a ruling that wasn't directly related to that that allowed them to, yet again, use budget reconciliation um, to pass to pass this infrastructure plan. Which, by the way, is another way of saying they don't. This is the opposite of bipartisanship. Remember, bipartisanship is 
I've said this before. When Republicans are in power, the media talks about bipartisanship. It's some sort of a great thing, bipartisanship, because it allows the left to shape the agenda. And if something isn't bipartisan, it's really, really bad when Republicans are in charge. However, when the Democrats are in charge, they'll throw the word around. And if they can get a couple of moderate Republicans to to jump onto their radical legislation, they're happy to do that, and they'll claim that it's bipartisan. But now they've pretty much given up all hope. That's why they've pushed so hard to override this uh, this filibuster. Now, granted, the filibuster requires sixty votes, which is, of course, would, which would require ten Republicans. But still. Um, it would require at least some Republicans. If, if you're doing a 50-50 vote in the Senate, you technically don't have to have the vote of one single Republican, assuming you can get the vote of Joe Manchin, who, by the way, I saw I saw may have some problems with passing or voting for this so-called, so-called um, infrastructure bill. National Review headline from yesterday. Manchin comes out against Biden infrastructure bill. Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but this is this is the overall point is where we're where we're headed here. So so the media, in particular the New York Times, the New York Times is effectively saying that bipartisanship <laughs> here's here's the headline to support to build support for his plan. Biden offers his own take on bipartisan. Now, you might think, what does that mean? Doesn't bipartisan have a definition? It certainly does. Just like Raphael Warnock, who's not a member of the media, but one that feeds the media some insanity in in his talking points and that they gobble up and redistribute to the general population or to their audience anyway, as though it is the gospel, pun intended truth. Anyway, uh, bipartisan has a definition. But Biden is supposedly, according to the New York Times, giving his own take on uh, bipartisanship. And effectively, let me see if I can find the line here, but effectively um, what, what they're saying is that, yeah, he may not have bipartisan votes. Here it is. Here's the line. Instead of paring back his, ambitious, uh, his ambitions in an effort to limit opposition from Republicans in the Senate or appease moderate Democrats in the House. This is with that infrastructure bill. Mr. Biden and his allies on Capitol Hill are barreling ahead with unapologetically bold, expensive measures. See, they're unapologetically bold. They're not dangerous, unconstitutional behavior. That's what it would have been if Trump was president doing this. He's barreling ahead with unapologetically spit it out there, bold, expensive measures, betting they can build bipartisanship from voters. Ah, yes, (laughs) from voters nationwide rather than from elected officials in Washington. (laughs) So bipartisanship now means, I guess, if some Republican in the entire nation believes that Biden's infrastructure, so-called infrastructure bill is good, then that's bipartisan. They could be a Republican in Massachusetts, a Republican in the People's Republic of California, Seattle, the Seattle-Tacoma-Washington area. They could be anywhere. One Republican, boom, bipartisan, because 
that person's a Republican voter, and by extension, we now have bipartisan support. This has never been done before. But again, the propagandists are at it full speed ahead here because they've got to get you and me, even though it's not going to work with us, but they've got to get us collectively as Americans to reimagine what these words mean, look at things differently so that what we're witnessing before our very eyes isn't as chaotic and nonsensical as it really and truthfully is, which of course it is. If you find yourself pinching yourself sometimes, looking in the mirror saying, do I live in a different universe after you've been, after you've been subjected to one of these crazy reports from the radical leftists in the media, the professional deceivers? No, nothing is wrong with you. What, there's something wrong with the people on the other side of the camera. With the Jim Acosta's of the world, I've got a soundbite from him. Um, with, uh, what's it's Yamichi, is it Alcinder? Is that her last name? I don't have that, that one pulled up. She's, uh, she's out here as well. I want to play a soundbite from her, but it is, it is all out war on common sense and logic right now with the things being proposed by the radical left who have control in Congress. They're in control of the white house. They're in control of the Senate. They're basically in control of everything. You could say besides the Supreme Court, but that's questionable given John Roberts and some of these other newer justices. We don't really know where they're going to fall on the side of the Constitution and originalism and so forth. They're still relatively new. Uh, but the courts in general are typically very favorable to liberal ideas and so forth, liberal policies. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It doesn't matter what the voter says. They often will implement it uh, into law basically because they simply want it to be uh, legislating from the bench, as you say. And now we've got the media, or they've got the media, they've got education, they've got, they've got sports, right? The woke among us are now running Major League Baseball, who, by the way, and I'll take a break after this, did you see they're moving the All-Star game to Denver, right? Atlanta, what is it, 51% black, City's 51% black. They move the All-Star game from Atlanta to Denver, which is, did I see it was 9% black? It's something like that. They face criticism from this, from the woke mob as well. It's, it's just crazy stuff that's happening out there all around us, and it is not ending anytime soon. But you are not the problem. Your insanity or your logic is still intact. You are not insane. Proof of that is that you tuned into this program today. And I've got to take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in back here in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, this program is brought to you in part by our friends at Apprentice University. Folks, if you are a student looking to go to college, if you are a parent of a student, if you are a grandparent of a student, and you're thinking, hey, I am tired of looking at all this insane nonsense that we find happening on college campuses. I'm a little reluctant to... Some things you have to go to college for. I know I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is not everything. And number one, 
subjecting your kid to an all-out assault or uh, subjecting yourself if you're a student to this is you got to be ready. I had to fight this in college, and it is uh, not everyone can do it, number one. Not everyone needs to do it, number one. Number two, um, there might be a better way than just sitting in a classroom. There might be a better way to learn through apprenticeships, and that's what Apprentice University focuses on. For more information, you can find out you can go to their website, Apprentice.University. Check them out. See what they have to offer. Apprentice.University, a good alternative uh, for folks who are seeking to avoid that uh, the college uh, potential mess that some folks encounter. It's a it's a good way to learn. It's affordable, and I think it's a. I mean, in a lot of a lot of fields, it's a really really good fit. Check them out. Apprentice.University is the website. So, yesterday we were talking about. Um, the the Georgia law, we talked a little bit about H.R. 1, which I think is really the Democrats' uh, number one legislative priority at this particular point in time. And so we've been talking about that in particular, election reform, um, election law, voter ID, all these sorts of things that intersect. And then, of course, the big explosion of drama with the Major League Baseball um, organization deciding to leave to leave the All-Star game or to move it from Atlanta to Denver, which again, as I mentioned last segment, move it from a predominantly black city to a predominantly white. Denver is 76, I think I saw a headline, 76% white. And that, of course, is how we're supposed to make all judgments today is based upon the race, gender, ethnicity of the people that were, you know, in this case, in this city that the All-Star game will be held in. And so baseball's taking blowback from that or criticism. Uh, CBS, for example, has encouraged people to fight the Georgia law and to boycott Atlanta sort of stuff. And now they've got the Masters. They've got the Masters coming up, which is in Augusta, Georgia. I don't see them canceling that or giving that to another network to carry or turning off their cameras in protest. I don't imagine they'll be doing any of that because money talks. But I want to stick here with with this this, um, Georgia voting law, which we've, again, talked about quite a bit. But I want you to listen. This is Yamichi Alcindor. She is a member of the media. Unbiased, of course. Uh, She has nothing but facts to tell us because that, of course, is what journalists do. She's trying to present both sides. (laughs) I can't even say that with a straight face. Both sides of a particular issue. That's what she's trying to do. Anyway, she's on with Chuck Todd over the weekend talking about the Georgia voting law, and she's comparing it with Derek Chauvin and his trial in uh, in Minnesota, the officer who was uh, who had detained and was kneeling on George Floyd, and who's on trial for second-degree, third-degree murder, and um, manslaughter. Those are the charges he's facing. And she actually wants to make a comparison between these two things. I want you to just listen to this and to take this in, the insanity of this, and just how everyone, Chuck Todd's kind of nodding, and you can't see the video, but you can see it in your mind. Chuck Todd sitting there with the mm-hmm sort of thing going on. Listen to this. Listen to this depiction of the connection between Officer Chauvin's trial 
and all this, uh, the, the, the Georgia law, the new election law, and of course, Major League Baseball, all that stuff tied together with this election law. Listen to how she connects these two. I tell you, they, they live in a truly alternate universe that is completely void of any reality. Here you go. The rules. Well, the Chauvin trial and that murder trial and the death of, of George Floyd is connected to voting rights because at the end of the day, it's about how African-Americans and whether African-Americans are allowed to survive and thrive in America and are, are able to have access to the principles that America holds up as near and dear. And that, of course, is democracy. But it's also your ability to pursue happiness and to not have an officer kneel on your neck on nine minutes for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Watching yeah. this trial and watching what's going on in Georgia they absolutely connect you know rich uh- they absolutely connect they absolutely connect <sighs> you know i just this this trial is playing out and i don't know if you followed or why you know i've not commented really much on this part of it's because i, I guess and i've shared on here before i've been on a jury and i you know being on a jury it's it is a little bit different than how we're fed information in the media it's a much different process it's it's controlled it has to be uh, approved by the the judge and where you know without objection uh, from the opposing legal counsel and whether or not the judge agrees with the objection or whatever the case may be but here you're just throwing a bunch of information in the media and then you're told what to think about it without having in some cases, hands to or access to firsthand information and so forth. But this is a really bizarre way of of describing this. Even if even if Officer Chauvin is convicted of second degree murder, third degree murder, manslaughter, whatever whatever happens there, to tie this to the larger, and I know that some people really are going to get upset by this, but to say to say that this is tied to Georgia's voting the voting law, which of course we went through yesterday. We went through the myths. We we share with you the facts as the media will not. The the law does nothing. It is not even remotely close to doing what they claim that it's doing. It's not targeting minorities. They're not trying to, you know, bring in long lines of people, make them wait hours for vote cr- to vote, crank up the heat, and then withhold water from them. That is not at all what's going on. That's what they want you to think. And then so her point is that's the war- that's the law that she either believes or wants you to believe she believes is what Georgia, you know, what Georgia passed. It is factually incorrect. But this, she then says that same law which tries to silence Black Americans is also kneeling on their necks, is also trying to kill them, is also trying to take away their right to happiness because you can't be pursuing happiness with someone on your neck. And it's terrible what happened. But to suggest, to suggest that we got to that point simply because of the race of the of of George Floyd is just not is just not a full depiction of of reality. We got to that point because of the the specific actions that took place up into up until the point he was placed on the ground and Officer Chauvin kneeled upon him. Now, should he have done it? Should he have done it for that long? Was it breaking 
the rules of the law enforcement, you know, the, what he was trained to do and all the, the policies and procedures. Those are legitimate questions. But to first of all claim that Georgia's election law is racist because it's trying to keep minorities from voting is factually absurd. And then to say that that law and, and Chauvin and what happened with George Floyd are connected is equally as bizarre. But this is what they, they want you to believe. They, the radicals in the media, the Democrat Party, they want you to believe it, that there is some sort of coordinated, um, coordinated effort to silence the, the voices of those that do not agree with the Republican with the Republican Party. Instead, the opposite really is happening here. In fact, if you disagree with you know the, the claims that there were no issues with our with our election in 2020, you're, you're shut up and silenced. If you want to question some of the things happening, uh, that states have done to protect you and me, supposedly from COVID, you are target. You're shut down on social media. You're not allowed to even ask the questions. We just had another video taken down from YouTube, and I'm telling you, if you listen to my voice on YouTube and you like this show as much as you should, which should be a lot, then you should find you need to find another avenue to listen. It is a matter of time. The days are ticking away. Time is tick 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 ticking. Sand is going through the hourglass. We will be taken down from YouTube. I just, it is a foregone conclusion. The best way is to download the podcast, hothuffshow.com slash podcast. There's a bazillion ways. That's an exaggeration, but slightly, hyperbole. A lot of ways to listen to the show via podcast. Anyway, this is, this is what we're being told and these, anal- these analyses provided here in this case by Yamichi Alcindor, completely absurd. But it's considered logical, reasonable, thoughtful analysis. Again, she's a reporter. A reporter, we should never even know what a reporter thinks. I know that 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 is so far from what we're dealing with. People don't even realize. In fact, that might offend some people that I say that. I don't mean that in a, you know, like they're second-class citizens. I just mean to be a reporter you're reporting on what other people are saying, and you're trying to present what's being done in a in the most unbiased way that you're capable. And by inserting yourself to the into the story and then telling us what you think, actually, what it does to me is it makes me think at some point you're not capable of doing that job of a reporter because you feel the need to tell us what you think and you feel the need to tell us what we should think. And that is exactly the opposite job of a reporter, of a journalist. But it's becoming the job of the journalists because all journalists are now editorialists, and they think that they're empowered, given a pen or a microphone in front of a camera, to change the direction of this great nation, when in fact they should be simply focused on reporting information and letting Americans come to conclusions by giving them as much information in an unbiased way as possible. But that's not where we live. Not even close to that. Quick timeout is in order. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, even the leftists and the radicals in the media cannot keep up with their own rules. Here's a tweet from 
The last word with Lawrence O'Donnell, a very woke program on MSNBC, also very insane, tweeted out, <laughs> tweeted out, this was on Easter. Easter, which again, Raphael Warnick tells us is more about what we can do to save ourselves than about the resurrection of Jesus. He's a pastor. Went over that at the top of the program. But anyway, tweet here says, "For <laughs> remember all the, the hubbub and fuss when Trump would call coronavirus the Chinese coronavirus or the China virus or whatever. And I'm sure Lawrence O'Donnell had something to say about that. I don't have a clip of that, but I'm pretty comfortable. I definitely know MSNBC did. But they found it necessary to tweet this out on Easter Sunday. First confirmed case of Indian coronavirus variant in U.S. found in California. They can't even keep up with their own rules. You're not supposed to use regions of the world, something that reflects someone's ethnicity, potentially race. That's why Trump was supposedly assaulted verbally by folks for calling it the China virus. Trump was trying to tie it to China and, of course, remind people where it came from. It came from them to the rest of the world. Not didn't start here. I'm sure the radicals or somebody out there that thinks it started uh, with President Trump himself, the way that they blamed every death on him. But anyway, they can't even follow their own rules, their own, their own outrage. There's also this. This is at HotAir.com, written by Jazz Shaw. Headline, new liberal line, Biden is afraid of looking soft on illegal immigration. Biden's afraid of looking soft on illegal. We, we have perhaps the most porous, unsecure border in the history, modern history of this country. Wide open borders. You have, you have border patrol agents that have made claims like that. It's basically open borders we're dealing with. But the, the storyline is, the narrative in the media, at least amongst some, is that Biden is afraid of looking soft on illegal immigration because he's been so secure. What, what sort of reality do these folks live in? What about, what about the congressman, excuse me, senator, Senator Barrasso from the state of is he Wyoming, I believe. He took pictures of the kids in captivity along the southern border. But he was told to delete them. Delete them. This is supposed to be the most transparent. This and the, of course, the Biden Obama administration from several years ago, the most transparent administrations ever in American history. No pictures of AOC that are staged, faking her crying outside of a fence that's three quarters of a mile from a detention facility. None of that. Maybe even further. Actually, I think it was further. None of that happening. You can't even take pictures from inside and show people because that's top secret, because that's Democrats are in control. They're the ones running it, and that doesn't exist. If there's a picture of it that people see, suddenly, suddenly we have to address it. We have to talk about it. If we don't see a picture, we don't have to pretend like it doesn't exist. And that again, folks, this is, this is what we're up against. We're up against we're up against propagandists. We're up against professional deceivers. We're up against in the case of Google, I mean they can scrub anything from existence. They, if they decided today to scrub, I don't know, take take some historical event, the invasion of 
Normandy, D-Day. They scrubbed that from all their servers, and you couldn't find that. You could convince a healthy chunk of the American population D-Day never happened, or the Holocaust never happened. There's people out there that claim that as well. Or that communism really did do great things. If you want to scrub the internet of references to Joseph Stalin and Mao and all these other radical, murderous dictators and tyrants throughout history, you could they, they have the power to do this. Well, they have 90%, 90% market share, I think, is what Google has in the search search market. Which, by the way, brings me to something that I had read about and I wasn't planning to talk about, but I at least want to throw this out there. Clarence Thomas, in one of uh, the opinions that he's granted here recently, had some things to say about regulating entities like Facebook and Google, making the case that they were more closely related to utilities than to companies that were actually um, you know, not a, a non-utility. Which that's that's an interest that that's something we could do an entire program over, um, talking about in, in this case particular speech and how certain groups of individuals are silenced and of course the the whole thing came up when Trump blocked people from his Twitter account that eventually came to the Supreme Court that case has basically been uh, thrown out or dismissed because it's Trump's not in office anymore it's kind of not. I guess necessary to to there's no more action to be taken because Trump's not blocking people from the president's Twitter account or whatever anyway. So but this is what we're we're up against. This this is it's a powerful powerful force that we're that we're dealing with. Misinformation, deceivers, liars, people that are hellbent on advancing their ideology at all costs, no matter what the issue, the issue the solution is always more government. It's always more spending. It's always less liberty. It's so ironic. This is how it works. So surprising and shocking. And then you've got people that are deceiving others as to what's really going on, like Yamichi Alcindor, like Raphael Warnick, like fill in your name of your favorite or your not your favorite, but your, your media personality, Jim Acosta. I have a, a quote from him that I don't know I'm going to be able to get to, but anyway. We're standing against quite a formidable foe in, the, in this regard. Misinformation, lying, deceits, uh, those things are definitely real, and we're dealing with those each and every day. Timeout's in order, though. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, this program is brought to you in part by our friends at Corone Homes. Corone Homes offers a series of communities, seven in fact, here in central Indiana, quiet residential neighborhoods with, con- with conveniently located services, entertainment, and recreation. Our communities have the attractiveness of a residential community, residential neighborhood with the benefits of Indiana-built manufactured homes been around since 1955 check them out corone homes c-o-h-r-o-n coronehomes.com or call them at 800-624-9399 800-624-9399 so 
wanted to play this. This is a quick. This is this is Jim Acosta again. We've just kind of been doing a um, a survey of the radical, nonsensical media from their lies, distortions, their crazy analyses, and so forth. This is Jim Acosta explaining why we need to pass Joe Biden's infrastructure plan. It's all about him. Here you go. And, you know, as Annie was saying, there, there's a lot to be covered uh, in this Biden infrastructure plan. Uh, we, we got used during the Trump era, the, uh, you know, to think of uh, infrastructure week as a joke. Uh, it's it, this might be an infrastructure year uh, in how right. we cover all of this. And I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, can we just have a, a damn high speed train in this country? I mean, can I please <laughs> get to New York uh, to, from New York to Washington without problems on the Acela? And can I get on the Wi-Fi, by the way, uh, right. when I ride the train and have that not be a problem? I mean, we have some major infrastructure blah, blah, blah. problems in this country. Yeah. Just shut up, Acosta. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. What? What is this? Can I get from D.C. to whatever, wherever he wants to go? Can we get a high-speed train for me? I got places I got to go. I need somebody out here to help me get from point A to point B because he deserves it. That, that's, that's perhaps the most interesting thing to me about this. He seems entitled to this. This is, by the way, what... Many in the elite circles of liberalism believe they're entitled. He's doing you a service. He's out there trying to show you all the ways that democracy has been under assault from President Trump. We deserve. He deserves a high-speed rail. He deserves to be able to get on Wi-Fi on the train. And don't be caught. This guy. This guy can't ride on regular trains. What? He's too good for that. We need to provide people like Jim Acosta. A $2 trillion so-called infrastructure bill so that he can ride in style, I guess. Anyway, these leftists are too much for me. Got to take a break. Back here in just a minute. Liars and deceivers in the media also uh, deceptively edited Ron DeSantis' interview on 60 Minutes. I don't have time to go into that. But effectively, they made his answer answer seem like something that it really wasn't. This is a standard procedure the radical left takes, the deceivers in the media take. Remind me of George Zimmerman, that 911 call, edited – edited by NBC to make it sound like it was a call that was saying one thing when it really wasn't saying that at all. This is what they do. This is who they are. Truth. So that's, that's why, that is why I say truth is a powerful force. It's such a powerful force that they want to deny it. We have to stand firm in it. We have to believe in it. We have to convey it and communicate it. And I've got to go. Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care. Are you 